welcome to the 905 podcast and this week we're doing a 905 roundup and uh, we thought what we'd do is a kind of summary and roundup of everything that's happening in housing and development because a lot has been happening and although we've been talking about it quite a bit in recent episodes with um, Jennifer Kiesma and, and uh, uh, other guests um, it's also um, there's also been stuff that we simply haven't had time to talk about yet and um, we really wanted to kind of look at the big picture um, of what's been going on I and mean, in particular one thing I think we, we both wanted to mention because it's a big deal and it could easily be buried is the federal government's announcement that it's going to take the uh, GST off um, rental accommodation builds so the 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 GST that the developers wanting to build rental accommodation um, currently have to pay, um, that would be waived. Um, some other provinces have also said that they're going to also waive the um, provincial sales tax, so in effect the entire HST. Um, uh, and um, there's been a fair amount of talking about this, but it's certainly not maybe something that's grabbed as many headlines as, as it should. And mm-hmm. uh, so we want to talk about that and all the other things that the the uh, federal and provincial governments are doing at the moment with regard to development so joel why don't you uh kick off with the kind of summary of where we are well i mean this was this was kind of the summer of uh, of housing that we saw on the political front we saw you know pierre probably of really taking hold of this file and and owning it if you will and a big for for a while, I mean, we were just kind of staring at this, sort of like, okay, well, I guess he's the housing guy now in, in Canadian politics. Uh, until Justin Trudeau came back from the uh, the caucus meeting in back in the back in the summer, and did something that I mean, every 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 expert on the housing file that we have had on this podcast, from uh, Mike Moffat with the uh, Smart Prosperity Institute, who is kind of the guy on the housing file at the moment in uh in canadian economics jennifer keysmat who has spoken up uh, with us about the development as well as uh michelle bielek of the ontario alliance to end homelessness all of them have said eliminating the gst on new rental accommodations would have a huge benefit in building good old-fashioned apartment buildings for uh for families and and individuals to to rent um and this is huge. And it, it, somewhere along the way, going on online, and this was something I've had conversations with in, in my own circle. It's this: there's a myth that oh, this is we're giving landlords this this tax break, and that is not the case. Landlords are completely separate. This is not a landlord tax break. This is developers and const- who want to build brand new apartment. Buildings, apartment accommodations, uh, I shouldn't say apartment, but like rental accommodation, sorry, for rent. The, this is eliminating the GST, which we've had Jennifer Kiesmat, Mike Moffat on, who said that the problem is the profit margin on those builds sometimes is just eaten away by the HST. Getting rid of that goes a huge way of re- recalculating the formula for developers to say, okay, maybe I can make some money off building a rental accommodation as opposed to just flat out condo uh condo units and of course putting more rental accommodation onto the market 
right now uh, would mean that rent becomes more affordable. It's a supply and demand uh, equation of more rental units on the market means more opportunity to select from. And you have the idea is the consumer has more leverage when they go to to rent an, an apartment or or a, a, a home. So all in all, this was a good thing. It was a it was a it's a huge it's a huge policy thing that a lot of advocates for affordable housing have been working for for years. It took a while for us to get here. This probably should have been done years ago, decades ago, even. But nonetheless, we're here. It was a big it was a big big thing for affordable housing advocate advocates, uh, not just in the nine hundred five, but across the country. Yeah, and it's, I mean it's worth saying. I mean it's just one thing where. You know, people who are trying to counter homelessness and people like the West End Home Builders Association in Hamilton, who is the major sort of development development business um, uh, agency, you know, who, who could put their case to government are in total agreement. So, you know, this this was welcomed by, by, by the developers. It was welcomed by people looking to end homelessness. It was welcomed by everybody in between. Um, so... You know the the Western Home Builders Association were quoted in um, Global News saying, well, "Better late than never," and which is a typically kind of backhanded compliment for for an organisation that I don't remember ever mentioning this issue before, at least not prominently. I mean, they have been campaigning. I've seen plenty of campaigns in West Home Home uh, uh, Western Home Builders Association and other development. Uh, Organize, development business organizations talking about all kinds of things, um, you know, such as um, you know, increasing minimum heights and you know, overruling cities and opening up white, uh, green space and white space and all the other space. Um, I don't remember them talking about this very much. So, you know, it's a bit rich for them now to say, well, better late than never, when it wasn't what they were prioritizing for the last decade right. that I'm aware of. And, you know, during some of that decade, I was pretty closely involved in, in in this in these particular arguments you know? so but i mean yeah why is it important because it 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 provides it increases the incentive um for people to build affordable housing rather rather than unaffordable housing or rather than luxury accommodation um it, it increases the incentive to build rental accommodation rather than condominiums or home you know private private sales um and that that's a big deal and it's an it's actually an example of you know uh, this liberal government i mean it's 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 a tax incentive it's what traditionally one might call a, a conservative kind of policy to use the tax code as a as a way to incentivize certain things mm-hmm. it's old-fashioned conservative policy if you like um again i don't recall perhaps i missed it but i don't recall the federal conservatives or the provincial conservatives the pcs ever talking about this issue in any significant way i don't remember it ever being mentioned by any of them until the day the the government said the federal government said it was going to do it at which point they all said oh well it's about time (laughs) so like really i I mean Maybe I missed a whole load of stuff in media. I mean, it's quite possible. Well, I accept that possibility, but uh, well, it seemed I, a bit rich. And it's like, yeah, credit where it's due. This this is actually a pretty big deal. Um, that, whether it should I, have been done before, sure. 
it's yeah. done now. Well, the, the, the problem I think with the housing file on a whole is a lot should have been done before and it wasn't done. And that's kind of why we're in the problem that we're in now. And so I, I tend to take that, oh, we should have done it years ago. Yeah, we, we should have never stopped building affordable housing under the Mulroney government, Mulroney and Cretchen governments, but we did. And now we're, we're stuck trying to fix that problem. So, you know, that, that I kind of throw that argument out the window because it can go both ways. Um, the, the other part of kind of the federal building or housing strategy that I thought was important was the housing accelerator fund. Uh, we saw a big announcement in London and since then, since then, there's been other big announcements for other mis- sizable municipalities across the across the country. But basically, incentivizing local municipalities to lift roadblocks, barriers within their own bylaws and their own zoning bylaws to get more building permitted done in the you know shovels in the ground and and that kind of thing, uh, to which the federal government will contribute billions of dollars, not just one one municipality, but to spread it amongst all municipalities in in uh in Canada to uh to accelerate affordable housing builds in the in the region, which is fantastic. And the reason why I want to bring well is it fantastic though? Can I just question that for a minute? I mean yeah, I, yeah. I, I I'm not I Justin mean, Trudeau, so I'm gonna I yeah I have no accountability here. <laughs> so this is the federal government spending a bunch of money to do something that implies that again, it implies that it's the municipalities that are the roadblock. Right. I just don't accept that. I don't. From what I've seen mm-hmm. in multiple municipalities now, I don't accept that it's the munis- municipalities that are the roadblock. I just don't. They're working as fast as they can to work through the approvals. It's not their fault that everything spends two or three years at the um, at the um, Ontario, right. uh, whatever the hell it's called these days. Ontario Land Tribunal. Ontario Land, you think I've learned it by now, yeah. but um, that's not their fault. Um, uh, you know, they're just giving approvals. You know, and very often, you know, don't, don't get the impression that cities routinely reject applications and then developers appeal. Cities routinely approve applications and then developers appeal anyway for more. Mm-hmm. Um, or they don't, cities very, very often just completely run out of time to do anything. I mean, they don't, the, the timelines are so short that cities regularly, pretty much routinely, do not get their work done by the time right. their kind of time limit runs out. That means that the developer can then appeal regardless for any reason, any reason, and they do. Well, it's, it's kind of by design. It means, great, now we don't have to listen to the city. We can just do what we want. We'll appeal it to the uh, OLT. Away we go. So again, the city's not really... Well, the city's role in that is neither here nor there. Well, it's okay. it's all so, happening in other places. So let's 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 talk about like, the idea of giving money to cities to build affordable housing yeah, is great. a good thing on its own. On its face, great. But you do, you do bring up a good point. And I think, okay, so that's kind of where we are in the housing file at the national level right now. Let's switch it to where the where we think uh the actual roadblocks to our solving this housing crisis exist now. And that is at the provincial level. Um you know what we've seen is the one criticism that we've heard from 
uh, again, the Mike Moffitt, Jennifer Keysmas, uh, the Ontario Alliance to End Homelessness has been, the feds kind of have a big purse to shovel out money to, to this, but it's the provinces that now have the, they have that policy and the zoning uh, uh, mechanisms that they, they are in control of. So now that now the feds have kind of opened the purse strings. Now the provinces need to match the 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 permits and whatnot. And that's where we're seeing this is kind of where the greenbelt scandal is coming into play, in my my opinion, is that I'm not going to go to every other province because that's not our our beat, but let's let's focus here on Ontario and the fact that the the, the provincial government very clearly thought, well, we'll just open up the green belt space and that will start building, we'll just start building stuff there. And that has been disastrous for that. That really took our, our eye off the ball from actually building where a infrastructure already exists. So it's a lot easier. It should be a lot easier to build affordable housing that is plugged into transit, hydro sewage, the infrastructure that you need for a home. Um, that the province isn't focusing on that. The we've said many, many times on this podcast, show us a municipality that has successfully ended any development, any, any, any kind of development in flat, like not, not a, okay. They, they say that they vote against it. No, because then the, the, it goes to the OLT and the OLT 99.9% of the time says, nope, go ahead with the, the with the proposal and yeah. I, I just want to finish this thought so we, like that's that's the bureaucracy that we're we're facing is that it's there's there really is no final word on it it's just let's keep kicking the can down the road and then what we need is uh, there's a, a great uh article in the hub that was published a few months ago by mike moffett uh kind of outlined the problem and his so his problem is that it's the speed, right? We 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 have we need to get shovels in the ground. We need to get these things built, the, these, these townhomes and these apartment buildings and everything built. We need to get them built now. We can't spend time with developers saying, uh, okay, I want to I, I own this plot of land. I want to add 10 more stories onto my my proposal. So he says, well, no, you're zoned for 20, not 30. Okay. I'm going to go to the OLT. I'm planning to go go to the OLT, which is going to add another two or three years onto the whole process. Combined with the fact now I've got to get um, financing for the project, and then I start working on digging, you know, putting shovels in the ground to get it going. Like we're, it's a it's a shell. You're it, it's a shell game of just okay. Well, how do I how do I make the money? the The provincial government. Is not tackling this. They are not. They are because at some point I think we've said OLT is the elimination of the OLT, the Ontario Land Tribunal, is a big solution to just getting this going. Saying no, if the city zoned this plot of land for twenty stories, build twenty stories. Just build twenty stories and find another ten stories somewhere else to to build that. I mean, and I think a really interesting point. And one of these days, I'd like to get a developer on here to talk about it. If we can find one, he's who'd like to speak to us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and maybe we should just reach out to the West End Home Builders Association. And uh, But my feeling is that 
The OLT serves neither developers nor municipalities nor the residents of the municipalities well because of the massive delays it brings in and the massive uncertainty that it brings in because everything is up for grabs under the OLT system. So I don't know why. I mean, I can't think of anything more futile, (laughs) to be honest, than being a a planner in a municipal in a municipal office these days um, because you, you go through these hoops if you go through this zoning process like Burlington last time I checked and I have to admit I haven't checked lately so maybe I've missed a major update the last time I heard the official plan update that was go- chuntering through the process and caused all kinds of a stink back in long before 2018 like back in 2014 to 18 mm-hmm. is still not active and enforced because it's been held up by different types of process that are all provincially provincially enforced regulations city doesn't want that situation they did an official plan they want it to be used developers aren't happy with that situation because they're in a situation where there's kind of two official plans both working at the same time none of those official plans actually mean a hill of beans because you know the moment the updated official plan was introduced and yet not actually approved but but was sort of visible to the public the developers began appealing for much higher uh, and larger developments over that so why the hell did the city bother doing all that work for all those years it's it's pointless um we're paying people to do work that has little impact on the end result and what we actually have is a process where every development is a game of horse trading between the municipality mm-hmm. and the developer and the province to work out what that's not supposed to be how it works because that is gonna take years. It's like as, as if you had a court case every time you wanted to build a house. We go to court and you try and persuade the judge this is the house we should have. And no one would do that. That's insane. That's right. what the OLT was supposed to replace. The OLT has to be abolished. There should be in the general scheme of things, the vast majority of developments should be developed according to whatever plan the province and the city and the region in multi-tier uh, environments have agreed is appropriate. If the, those three levels of government have already agreed it's appropriate, then it's goddamn appropriate. Why the hell would you need to approve that? That was supposed to be what happened with, when the LPAT was initially introduced by the the Ontario Liberals didn't have time to see if it was actually going to work or not. But certainly, I mean, I would have gone far further than the Ontario Liberals did and that they had reformed the OMB, OMB to try to get rid of a large number of that those appeals. The problem was that it still was it, there still was a huge amount of stuff that was going to end up going to the OLT, even under their system. Well, and then, of course, Doug Ford reversed the whole thing. Right. Here we are where we are now. But see, here's, here's it makes the, no sense. Other provinces don't do this. Other countries don't do this. But we don't need a, to do this. But here's the problem that I see is that it, we've said before it's now part of the part of the process. If you think you know, we never we never got a chance to talk with this because we were too busy with the uh, you know the that one million march nonsense that happened a while back. But you remember Mr. X, John Mutton, and the Greenbelt scandal, you know. It came to like him, he went on a different podcast and he kind of blew the lid off like what goes through a developer's mind is that they know you put a plan into the city and you can always go to the OLT. The plan is to go to the OLT yeah. to get this this done. And I 
I, it the comes down, well, it comes down to like, specifically like, that way. Right. And that's, and that's, this is kind of why I, I like to say, if speed is of the essence on this file, we need to get shovels in the ground, building done. The province has to step in and say, we need to just get a streamlined process in the ground. Like no quibble, no, people are always going to want to say, could I, could I put another two or three stories on there if I really fought hard? Maybe, but we don't have time. The time for quibbling over that is long past. I say, get the housing built. Find that, allow for that middle, uh, that missing middle to be approved by a lot of municipalities. Because I think a lot of municipalities would, would want to see that. But we can't do that if under the current system, it's, it's, it doesn't, there's no streamlined process, which kind of brings me to my criticism of my criticism of the critics, you know, is that we, as we said, like, you know, the, 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 the focus on municipalities as the bird, as the, the gatekeepers, if you will, Pierre Poya of the federal uh, conservative leader saying, Oh, it's the, these municipalities are the gatekeepers to this. And it's like, no, they're not. Like they, I don't understand. He can go after them all they want, and that's what that's what I think was what frustrates me about his plan for this. Is there's a lot more that the federal government can do, and that the federal government ought to do. And I'm hoping that we're going to hear more from Justin Trudeau uh, in the next few months, if not years, about more more plans. But his plan is pretty much. Um, if municipalities don't approve processes, processes or, or 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 whatnot, he'll start clawing back money on 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 funds that normally are given to municipalities. And this is a, I have a problem with for a number of reasons. One, I don't think municipalities have that much power over their own development under at least here in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, I really I really don't. I think you know if a if a developer says, "Well, I want to build a thirty story tower on a twenty story site," they're going to go to the OLT. Now, is that a municipality's fault for saying, "Well"? No, like they they're appealing the process. Yeah, and I and just it, want to jump they, in there quickly okay. to just to sort of clarify something that I think many people think. So, say it's twenty stories, and a developer comes and says, "Sign for twenty, I want 30. Now, you might think that, well, you know, it's those damn cities' fault because they're they're insisting on twenty when it when it, you know thirty could be done. So that's the city slowing things down. That's wrong. That's not usually how it works. It's certainly not how it works in the vast majority of places in places like Toronto. The city never gets around to approving it or rejecting it or anything because they've run out of time already to respond. So just while the city is doing its work and doing it's getting all its documents together, uh, which it has to do legally, it has to have all its environmental assessments and its wind assessments and its traffic assessments, and it has to do all that stuff all within 180 days. While it's trying to do that, by the time it's done all that, 180 days is up and the developer has appealed. So the idea that developer city hasn't done anything. Right. I mean, the people in the planning department are working away very hard, but the city hasn't done anything. It's now at the OLT. The city will only be involved now if the OLT, the, the OLT comes back to the city and says, mm -hmm. no, you can speed things up a bit by doing a deal here. So the, the developer wanted 30, you wanted 20. How about 25? And the city... In most cases, we'll go, oh, okay, then 25 it is, because that will make it go away. And that's all done in camera. That's all done in private. That's all done behind closed doors. But the, um, my, my point being, though, is that this, 
ex- this and this process doesn't happen over a weekend. This is over years. No, years and which, years and years. Which even is if, why, even if it does get settled but, in that kind of informal okay. way, if it actually goes all the way through to a final judgment, then you've got years to, ahead of you. But that's where my my point of this is. So to tie for the federal government to tie needed infrastructure money, and this is money that is needed for things like sewage, you know, hi, uh, hydro, electricity upgrades, um, transit that kind of thing that gets held up because a developer says, well, I'm going to go to the OLT. Is that fair to a municipality? Like in the, these are the, I think these are, are these might be simple solutions or simple problems, but they're big. They're simple, but big at the same time. Cause I'm thinking of two cities here in the 905, Mississauga and Hamilton, both are having LRTs installed with federal monies attached uh, to those projects. What what would happen if Mississauga, perfect example, Mississauga right now, we know that they're having a, they're trying to negotiate with a developer for development. We had Joe Hornick, counselor on a little while ago, and he was talking about how they're trying to figure out that development process. If the federal government withholds federal money from Mississauga because Mississauga says, well, we want to make sure that this is in keeping with the neighborhood and that this is a, a fitting solution. Are they going to hold up that LRT project, which in itself it has problems because that LRT project might be needed to sell sell or build existing uh, condo or rental accommodations along the track. That would be a very highly high demand living corridor. And is that going to be held up because, oh, the LRT is held up because there's no funding, and which again, costs for that project go up because of, de- of these development. Like it's it's... I guess my worry is the 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 federal prime minister, uh, federal conservative candidate um, for prime minister. I guess Pierre Poilievre's his solution of well, I'll just withhold this money, this carrot and stick approach. That's I think it's stick. There's no carrot. Well, that's the thing. It's it's more it's more stick than carrot. Is very much problematic in that if we're going to quibble over this over every. You know, are we just basically? And here's a question I have in Ontario: Is we're in the process right now of developers have a bad name. Developers are the Doug Ford is undergoing a massive scandal because basically the consensus is he handed over the province to a few rich developer buddies to make billions off of land speculation. That's the Greenbelt shell uh, scandal in a nutshell. Are we willing willing to throw this open to a federal level um, to pressure uh, municipalities to sign over areas that they might not it's say we don't, we don't want this? a fundamental misunderstanding of the problem. It is. Now, I, I've been living in Canada, I think I said this already the other day, I've been living in Canada pretty much exactly 20 years as of now, 20, 20 years in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Um, in all that time, every provincial government in Ontario has been passing legislation to reduce the municipality's power uh, and to put more power in the developer's hands to build what they want. And it hasn't accelerated development one iota. No. Um, the, I mean, this is anecdotal, but I mean, one developer I have spoken to, uh, one of the first things he said was, we love when stuff gets held up because the price of the property just keeps going up. Right. Why we, we we're not in a rush. 
it's fine well, that, if, it go, if it goes through this process. We're just going to earn more money when we sell. Well, that's so that's what comes down. That's your problem, that's, and that's and what the, comes down to it in a nutshell. Is that the problem with the the current market is not municipalities being uh, gatekeepers or blocking development. It's the speculation that's happening on land. We know that the majority of developers purchase land, but don't do anything with it. How many times have we, we talked about plots of land that are zoned, greenlit? They have the the go-ahead from the municipality to go build, and developers are sitting on them because there's no incentive to build. The, the market, quote unquote, is not in the right space for them to make make money off a, off the project. So they hold on to the land. Why? Because at some point, presumably when when interest rates come come down, oh, we can sell it off to make a nice little buck. It's already zoned for developments. We sell it to another developer. The problem with this strategy of just let's get out of the way of developers is there's no that's fine, but there's no stick for the developer to say if you don't build. You don't build what you what you want to get built on this project, on this site. You're going to pay some serious costs, and whether I don't I don't know if that means you take away the the zoning permission. Uh, may, that might be a solution, although they still own the land, so I don't know how that benefits us in the long run. Or you say, no, you get to pay a vacancy tax. You know, you pay a two two or three times a uh, the the property tax, estimated property tax of the land until the last unit is sold, which would, I think, light a fire in some of these developers' butts to build this stuff ASAP. But there's no talk of that. There's no talk of how do we get developers to say, okay, you own this land, you've got the approval, get shovels in the ground. And I know there's- We spoke, we spoke months and months and months ago, probably yep. over a year ago, to, uh, I think it was the guy from Environmental Defense- Oh, it was when this, the whole Greenbelt issue first came up. Yeah, Tim Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he quoted chapter and verse on the number of approved developments there are in the province. And I don't know how many thousand it was, but many, many thousands of approvals that are sitting in developers' pockets and going nowhere. They should expire. I mean, sure, it's more expensive if they expire and then they have to do another approval and have to go through the process again. But that's their fault. You know, that, maybe, uh, yeah. That that's your incentive to get a damn move on. Um, you know, and I'm not blaming developers everywhere for everything. We need developers to build things. The the HST, uh, the GST on rental accommodation, that's a big step forward in you know incentivizing the right kind of housing. It's the first thing that I've seen from any level of government, in certainly in recent years, that has actually done something tangible to encourage. The kind of housing that is actually in shortage. Um, so you know, good. Congratulations for the federal government for doing that. You know, yeah. and whether they should have done it sooner, I know. Generally, everything that any government does should have been done sooner by the time it actually happens. So let's just put that to one side. I, I want to bring up one last note that so far I haven't really heard from any well, provincial, municipal, or uh, uh, somewhat in the federal side. But a real, real cohesive plant to get back into the housing building game. Um, and this is because the more I've looked at, this is my more of my editorial note, I guess, but the more we've, we've talked to people about this file and we've looked at this from multiple angles, I don't see any, 
the, the crisis is so severe. I don't see any way of encouraging market builds, rental accommodations, or whatnot, uh, uh, from, to be more affordable unless either the provincial or the federal government gets into the building game, get back into how we were in the in the sixties and seventies of the federal and provincial governments actually putting putting the shovels in the ground themselves and building affordable housing for people to to get into. Now, I think in this modern age, we could it's not necessarily like you know block project housing. We we I think we could be a little bit more inventive on that. But the idea that no, they themselves are going to build uh, affordable housing that is publicly owned, publicly operated, and publicly accessible is something that needs to be done in earnest. The federal government, to their credit, they have done some work. We've seen in Hamilton and that big announcements for some projects, but nowhere near what's needed to really spur this. And the reason why I bring it up is if we want developers to start building and building affordable and getting things sold fast, I think a, a strong move movement to uh, for affordable housing will kind of kickstart that. Because if you have if you have an affordable housing option that is clean, that's a, that's reasonable, that's within a budget. Why are you going to go buy that eight hundred or eight hundred thousand or a million dollar condo building because the developer needs to make a, a buck off of it? That that will bring that cost uh, the cost of those units down as well. Uh, but we need to get the shovels in the in the ground. The, Justin Trudeau needs to set up a, a real plan to get this done like a, not not here and there a few projects announced uh around the country but a clear project project strategy of we these are the sites put the signs on the ground now this a an affordable housing project is coming to this site that's federally owned we're going to build it now however that looks you can partner with different not-for-profits you can partner with different groups to get it done indwell here in the 905 is a big one they're there, partner with them to get it done. But there needs to be a huge project on that. And that's something I hope the federal federal liberals do get in on. Uh, I don't see anything from the federal conservatives because I just, like I, we've said before, I just, it's not in their ethos to say, no, the federal government, the government will do something aside from just the, changing the The dogma laws. is that every, le- every level of government, apart from the one that they run, is useless. Right. Uh, and, 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 some of them will probably include their own level of government in that, you know, like the conservative dogma, such as there's something left in it. It used to be, you know, fiscal conservatism and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's just government is garbage and we need to hurt every level of government because they're the problem. And that's just a sort of religious like tenet of their belief. Um, I, I swear, I want to see the evidence that shows that it's the municipalities that are the problem here. I've seen with my own eyes in, in a city that probably would have been the poster child for the kind of NIMBY mindset in Burlington. Like there were a lot of people who would say that what happened in Burlington over the last decade is a classic case of the kind of NIMBYs wading in and causing all kinds of problems. And I swear, I've tried to find the examples where those so-called NIMBYs slowed down a development or stopped a development or held up a development. All the developments that I was looking at when I ran for council back in 2018, a whole bunch of 
developments coming through or that had already come through and gone through the OMB or in the process of going through the OMB, if you go to downtown Burlington today, they're being built now. They were going through that process. They were out of the city's hands. It was all over as far as the city was concerned, at least in 2018. Uh, So we've had the best part of at least half a decade between actually more like six years Mm-hmm. between the city having finished, you know, even if it did fight some of these applications, and it certainly did, um, there's a huge gap between when that was all over and any shovels going in any ground. You know, the anti-development was was done and dusted long before I sort of got interested in municipal politics for a while and all that stuff. That was done. It was agreed. The, the, the OMB had done its decision. Um, in fact, it had it caused a major rethink at City Hall because of that decision. Um, that was done ages ago. It's just being built now. Um, so how, how, tell me how either the people who opposed those developments or the city uh, sort of fighting over it and going to, to the OMB had anything to do with the fact that that building still isn't built? How? Tell me, explain to me how that works. It just, because I don't get it. Um well, yeah. the, the weakest politician in the entire Canadian political system is the the city or town councillor. Like even the town, the city mayor has so little power. Like, and that's what that's what gets me is the idea that these these bodies are are that's what's standing in the way of all this massive development that's going to happen. I I don't believe it. I for what I've seen, no. Even if even if the municipalities roll over, even though if even if they do plan, they just roll over and say, "Okay, fine, we'll, we'll just we'll just have some guy in the in the back office just rubber stamping every approval that comes in. We don't even read it. We'll just we'll just approve everything." My question is then, where how how do where, like where's the incentive for developers not to sit sit on that land that's now valuable and wait for prime market conditions? Like where, where, because they're not going to take out loans now. We know inflation being what it is, and that's understandable. I get it. From a business standpoint, I would not take out the money now to pay for that that project because you're you're you like it's, that's not going to make it affordable. Because to make to sell the unit to make your money back just means the cost goes up, and that's not gonna, that's not what we need is affordable housing, not just housing. So the question I have is, what do you do then? And that's what nobody's all the the right wing critics of the housing file. I don't hear like the, the, nothing's being done on that front. It's just the idea. Oh, that it's government's in the way. Even if government got out of the way, nothing is going to get. Like I just don't see it getting done. There's no incentive to put that shovel in the ground, start the build. There's a around the corner from where I live. This is my anecdote to the solution. Around the corner from where I live, fourth. I'm trying to think of how old my kids are. Because it was so for probably over six years, six or seven years, there's been a plot of land that has been bought up to be turned into townhomes for years. We know that it was all bought up, planning has gone through, it has been approved. There has not been a lick of NIMBY from my neighborhood. My neighborhood is like, oh, more families, more kids. Fantastic. Bring it down. It has been approved. It is sitting there ready to go. 
they started digging a hole in the ground. We said, okay, here we go. We're going to start seeing synchronos happen. And all of a sudden, nope, it stopped. Fencing is up. Weeds have been growing up on the on the site for over a year now, and nothing's being done on it. And I'm like, like who, who's to blame for this? It's not the city. The city approved it. It's not, it's not my neighborhood. My neighborhood wants the project in there. So who 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 do we go? And that's that would have been, I think they're estimated about fifty homes, fifty townhomes, yeah. going in there. Um, beautiful looking. I mean, from the I don't know what it looked like because I would just see the, the the artist rendering on the side. But I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that that looks beautiful. I I'm I'm sure some family would love to buy that house and move in. We're we're in a great neighborhood. We'd love to have them in. We'd welcome them in with open arms. So what's the holdup here? Who you know and. I guess that's kind of my point. It's like, are we going to penalize certain people? Like, where's where's the stick there to get the developer to say, no, start building those it's, homes? I, I I'm just positive that if anybody has actually done the work to do any kind of statistical analysis of this stuff, at the end of the day, you will not find the municipalities. Now, you know the the myth of the NIMBY and the municipality that is enthralled to NIMBY voices. I get where that comes from. I get, I do get where it's from. There are people who just don't want change, and there are uh, people, you know, the, the people who have an impact at a local level are the fairly wealthy homeowners who don't want change, who have the time and the money and the inclination to go down and create Stinker City Hall, and councillors will certainly hear that and all those things. So, yeah, I get it. Those things exist, but I can't see any evidence that it actually is worth anything at the end of the day, that that actually slows down the process or holds up developments. It certainly doesn't stop. If there's anybody listening who can show me chapter and verse on a development, a good development, or even a bad development, that a so-called NIMBY movement stopped or even got reduced or got modified, any evidence along any of those lines or held it up for two years or whatever, send me that evidence. I want to see it Um, because... I've been looking at this stuff for, you know, a decade and a half now, and I've never seen it. And I've been kind of looking. Uh, so the delay just isn't, it's not the municipality's fault. There's a crappy system that makes things slow, and the municipalities are part of that, but it's not their fault. Like you said, they, they, the municipalities have their hands tied at every step of the way as to what they have to do, when they have to do it, how quickly they have to do it, how they have to reply. All these things, they have to do it on a deadline. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, they can't, you know, they, they can't build anything unless someone comes forward. They can't turn away someone who does come forward. They have to do things according to the rules. And, and you, know, you can you can shorten the deadlines as long as you like. It doesn't make any difference because they're already missing all the deadlines and things are already getting appealed over the place. The problem really is the appeals process and having taken the appeals process out of the uh, out of the out of the equation, it's then having got through all the appeals that the developers just sit on it anyway, um, because there's no real, you know, there's no deadline. There's no, well, we can just sit around, you know, demand's just going to go up. What the hell would we build? I guess um, my frustration with all this is this is a very real crisis and people are, are obviously hurting. They're worried about mortgage and rent going up. And I, I think it's probably one of the biggest crises we've seen in Canadian history in a very long time. And my frustration is 
my fr- frustration is twofold. I find that with pr- the progressive side of the equation, so slow to enact meaningful change and to to be willing to get the pushback from a few powers that you know a, a few powers in the game that might be vocal, but in the end, it's going to drive shovels in the ground. It's this and solutions to be built. I find it's maddeningly how how frustrating it is for them to just move ahead on this file that seems so straightforward and very easy to build consensus on. I, I just bang my head against the wall sometimes. But on the flip side, the right solution, which as you've pointed out numerous times, Roland, there's a lot of conservative right-wing solutions to this that should be just championing, let's go, that instead we got to play politics with. Um, and again, at the end of the day, it's a lot of tinkering at the edges, but it's this fear like you're actually going to have to get your hands dirt dirty. You're actually going to have to build something. And it's not in the idea of, well, we can't have bureaucracy. It's bureaucracy that's gotten in the way. No, the problem is we don't have a bureaucracy. We haven't had a bureaucracy on the housing file since 1989. We gave up building housing because the right wing, the previous right-wing movements of the Reagan and Thatcher era and the Mulroney governments of, oh, that that's that's bad. We shouldn't. That's we're we're building home, uh, homes for poor people, and that's bad. So let's stop that and save money. And yes, Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin carried that torch all the way through the nineties. That's they they bear as much blame to this as Mulroney does. But going back to the that mentality isn't going to save us on this. That's not the solution, and that's what I'm frustrated with the Doug Fords and the Pierre Poyevs of the world, they that trying to double down on that the on, on the the problem that got us here in the first place that we've been following for the last 30 years uh is not going to get us out of this problem. We need we need some radical new thinking. And I'm not sure where I'm finding it in the uh in the current polit- Canadian political landscape. No, I don't think the conservatives have it. I think I think the, the liberals have done something good. Uh, but I want to bring it back. And I mean, and we're coming to the end, we should probably wrap it up here. Right. But the um, I want to bring it back to, the, to to what the federal liberal government is doing by kind of giving money, giving the carrot where the conservatives want to give the stick. The liberals are giving, giving the carrot to the cities of like, if you change your zoning, if you do this, then we'll give you money and we'll take it away if you don't follow through. It's two sides of the same coin. The, the federal government is just spending a bunch of money to fix a problem that actually isn't there, whereas the uh, conservatives are proposing not spending any money and just threatening people to do exactly the same thing. The problem's not at that level. The problem is with provincial legislation, and I can't speak for other provinces, but speaking of Ontario, the problem is with the provincial housing and municipality uh, setup is a mess in needs drastic reform uh, starting with the abolition of the of the olt uh, and moving on from there and only by doing that and having the guts to do that uh, are you really going to see any change um, fundamentally in how development happens in this province and i do think that that would if that was done right it'd be something that developers would welcome just as much as the municipalities would welcome it and just as much as the people who want places to live would welcome it mm-hmm. um and it's, it's a crying shame that that the, the stomach isn't there and well it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the uh, ontario liberal leadership contest because there's certainly 
if the if the person is a front runner who claims that they're a front runner is to win, I don't see any great change coming from that direction either. Um, so you know, and I will wait and see. squat from the NDP. So it, it's not encouraging to think that anybody's going to have the stomach to actually take on the issues that need to be addressed. All right. Well, let's leave it at that for this episode, and we're. I think we're gonna we got a few episodes coming up kind of tinkering around with this housing file. We've got another one planned for next week, folks. You'll definitely want to subscribe uh and follow us for that one. Um because there's an angle about this whole housing file that no one has really talked about, but we're gonna start tinkering away with on, on our own and, and start talking about it. Uh but I'm gonna leave it at that because I want to tease it out and get you hooked for next week. So thanks everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.